everybody, and welcome to another episode of my JavaScript story. This week, we're talking to Kevin Kreitzer. Exactly. Well, how's my Swiss? Did I do okay? Yeah, yeah, perfect. Is is it a German name? Uh, yeah, I think actually it's a German name. Yes. Nice. When I'm building a new product, G2I is the company that I call to help me find a developer who can build it. G2i is a hiring platform run by engineers that matches you with React, React Native, GraphQL, and mobile developers that you can trust. Whether you are a new company building your first product or an established company that wants additional engineering help, G2i has the talent you need to accomplish your goals. Go to g2i.co to learn more about what G2i has to offer. In my experience, G2i has linked me up with experienced engineers that can fit my budget. And the G2i staff are friendly and easy to work with. They know how product development works, and can help you find the perfect engineer for your stack. Go to g2i.co to learn more about G2i. Well, um, yeah, we had you on episode 227 of Adventures in Angular, talking about source maps in Angular. Um, yeah, do you want to just uh, kind of give us a quick introduction to who you are and what you do and all that stuff? Yes, for sure. Um, my name is Kevin Kreutzer. As you already introduced like perfectly. Um, I'm a freelance front-end engineer from Switzerland. I'm also a Google developer expert in Angular. And yeah, basically, I love JavaScript, I love Angular. So I also write a lot of blog posts, maintain some open source libraries. And yeah, in my free time, I enjoy snowboarding and love to play football. Nice. Now, when you say football, you mean what we in the US call soccer. Yes, exactly. Okay, I'm just making sure. Yeah, American football is too brutal. I like to watch it, but playing, <laughs> I think. Well. Yeah, well, I am a soccer junkie myself, so, um, yeah. Okay, which team do you support? Uh, here in the U.S., I really uh, support uh, Real Salt Lake. Okay, and, and in Europe? And, and in Europe, um, my favorite team is Juventus. Okay, okay. But I am somewhat partial to uh, Manchester United as well. I like those guys. Okay, nice. Yeah. I lived in Italy for two years, and so, yeah. One of these days, I'll get to go back and actually watch Juve play. But, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have been to a soccer match in Europe, and it was crazy. <laughs> okay, which one was it? Um, it was Verona and Venezia played each other. They were both in Serie A, mm -hmm. um, at the time. And yeah, people were like lighting stuff on fire and throwing it onto the field. And yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're standing there going, holy cow, nobody does this. They were throwing rocks at the bus from the opposing team. <laughs> it was, it was wild. Yeah, yeah, but that's usually why you should avoid going there. Yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, some, some people who were friends of ours, uh, yeah, they, found, they got us tickets to the game, and so we went and walked out of there and going, yeah, this is nothing like American sports. <laughs> yeah. Because if people did any of that stuff, the police would haul them off. Mm -hmm. But anyway... I don't know if it's still that nutty, but yeah, it was it was definitely a different experience. What team do you support? I'm a huge Real Madrid fan since I'm a kid. Like I support Real Madrid since ten I'm ten years old. So, yeah, nice. Yeah, they're they're a sister team to Real Salt Lake. So, mm -hmm. 
So yeah, cool. Well, let's dive in and talk about Angular. I love getting kind of the personal details. I don't mind talking about that. So yeah, if there's something else to bring up, just do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let, let's talk a little bit about your programming history for a minute. How did you get into programming? Yeah, it was kind of special because I'm like, usually when you hear about a lot of programmers, they talk about like, okay, I started to program with, with 15 years. I wrote my first program and stuff like that. And I'm like a little bit from another side because I'm now 29 years old and I started to program when I was 21. So nice. late, but yeah. Um, yeah, I came somehow into programming was like by, yeah, by accident, I would almost say, mm -hmm. because after I finished like high school, I wanted to do like, yeah, in Switzerland, you have the choice, either you do like, um, you go to work or you go to another school. Um, and I wanted to go to work, but I was quite good at, at football or at soccer, how you say. Mm -hmm. Back then, and therefore, I wanted to a sports school, and like um, I passed there, like the the test. So you needed to have like a sport um, level and also school level, and I passed those tests. But then some, yeah, they changed somehow the criteria because skiing is quite important in Switzerland. Mm -hmm. Like they then changed it and wanted to basically only have like guys who ski. And therefore I then did like, I, I, it was too late to find a job. So I then somehow did commercial school, which was like my only way out. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, during commercial, commercial school, I kind of had like some troubles because I was not so interested in it. What, did you, what did you learn in the commercial school? Is that like a trade school or? It's more like accounting, like French, different languages. Yeah, accounting, like um, economics. Stuff like that. Oh, okay. I was interested in learning how um, red flowers, how you say this in French, like that was not interesting at all. So that sounds yeah. fascinating to me, but yeah, <laughs> you know, in economics and yeah, accounting, yeah. maybe not, but yeah, it was not so, I, I didn't like it somehow, but I still passed. And one year there, I didn't pass because I was doing like nothing. And then, yeah, this somehow changed my entire story because then I thought like okay what will I do with my life and then I changed it and yeah I passed and the last year like quite good and then I needed to go to work for one year because you can also do like if you do an additional year of work you get basically like entrance to university right and during okay. this year of work I kind of discovered that I love to work with computers so I never wrote a program before, but I really enjoyed time on the computer, like creating things because I was working in a marketing department. Mm -hmm. I was creating a lot of flyers and a lot of posters and stuff like that. And then, yeah, somehow was thinking, what do I want to study? And then, yeah, I went to study um, business information technology, which was like a lot of programming there. And Very cool. Yeah, I, also, I just came to programming because of, football, of soccer, basically, because otherwise I would have just made some, yeah, went somewhere to work. Well, soccer is life, so yeah. It's life. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's awesome. And it's interesting, too, because, yeah, um, we do talk to a lot of people that it's, yeah, well, I got into computers as a kid, but I talk to just as many people, I swear, that it, 
at some point as an adult, they thought that programming looked at or sounded interesting or, you know, they had some opportunity present itself and they went for it or, you know, all kinds of things like that. So um, as much as I think people kind of stereotypically think that most programmers come into it early, that's not always the case. And so I, I like hearing the stories where it's, I kind of, kind of wound up going through a different pattern or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because also when I arrived there at business information, like uh, at university where I studied business information technology, so I, I specifically decided to go to this university because like business information technology in, in Switzerland, there are different schools. Some schools focus more on business and some focus more on programming and the technical part. Right. And I was really interested in this, even though I never programmed before, I had no idea what, yeah, no idea of programming. And when I arrived there, all the guys who were there already had some technical background. Like I was basically one of the only guys that had never programmed before. So right. after the first course, she was talking about strings and integers and floats and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, what is this? So I thought, okay, maybe I'm going to leave because I, I have no idea what I'm going to do here. But then somehow I started to dive a little bit into it and it was super interesting to me. And yeah, then, yeah, it's just, I stick to it and it was the best decision, I would say. Right. So did they teach you JavaScript there or did they teach you some other programming language? No, we started with Java there and we basically didn't wrote JavaScript in, in university, like just a little bit of JavaScript. Yeah, but the whole world runs on JavaScript now. So I'm just yeah, kidding. now, yeah. But it was back, it was in 2011. And yeah. yeah, it was mainly Java. And the interesting thing is like now JavaScript is my, yeah, my favorite language. I only code in JavaScript. But back then I didn't like JavaScript at all somehow. That was interesting. I didn't like to create web applications and stuff like that. I was more like, okay, I like Java. But yeah, yeah this has completely changed when I went to work. So how did you wind up making that move to JavaScript? Yeah, it started after university. I went to work like at a Swiss train company and I started as a junior Java developer. And then when you are a junior, I went to, I came to a quite huge project and then they gave me like one, one team member who was kind of responsible for me. It was kind of, we told him, uh, we called him the godfather or my godfather. Uh -huh. And like, he was super cool. He was one of the most important persons in my career path, I would say, because like the Java project was huge. And also I would say, yeah, not the most interesting one in terms of like, if you start, there's a lot of business know-how you have to know. And you, if you come as a junior, you cannot do so many things. There's a lot of freedom of documentation and like, yeah. And he wanted me to be still productive and therefore he had some side project, some helper tool, which was written in AngularJS. Uh -huh. Then he told me like, okay, you can read like half a day, you can work on our project, like on the real project. And the other half a day you can work on this AngularJS project. And then, yeah, I started to work on it and I yeah, immediately liked it. Like I thought this is what I want to do. 
And that's that's the way I drifted into JavaScript, basically. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you wind up basically getting into JavaScript through work. And what's funny is, is that, um, and this is something that's a little bit unique to you, is that most people I talk to, they got into JavaScript and they started doing a bunch of stuff on the front end. And then eventually they stumbled into Angular somehow, right? Mm -hmm. Or if they're doing Vue or React, they kind of stumble that way. And it sounds like it all kind of came at you at once, both Angular JS and JavaScript. Yeah, it was more like I started directly with AngularJS and had no idea about what dollar scope and these things. And then I thought, okay, this is pretty cool. I can do powerful things after like one or two days. And then, because back then I still had like one hour to go to work, one hour in a train, like one way. So basically each day, two hours. And all those two hours I spent only then on researching AngularJS. And also then I realized that I don't understand the concepts of JavaScript, like what is prototype chain and stuff like that. Um, yeah, and then I just started to just in my free time, like learn JavaScript. So basically, as I said, normally you learn JavaScript and then you go to AngularJS. For me, it was like, I started with AngularJS and then I thought, okay, I need to get a better understanding of JavaScript itself. Right. That, that's really interesting too. Um, were you able to effectively write AngularJS? Not knowing JavaScript proper, it seems like a lot of people kind of come, yeah, come that way too, right? The newer programmers I'm talking to, it's well, I got into React or I got into Angular, and then I realized that I didn't understand anything about JavaScript, or I ran up against the limitations of what mm -hmm. you can do in React or Angular without knowing JavaScript, yeah, and that's when they start to learn it. Yeah, so. I would say I couldn't really, I could write some features, but they were not written in the nicest way and uh, it was right. a lot of like stack overflow help. Um, but once I got better, I, I revisited them and then yeah, I rewrote them. I think today it's a little bit easier because you have already like TypeScript, which is much, mm -hmm. yeah, it looks more like Java in, in, than normal JavaScript. Like, kind of. I mean, you have classes and stuff like that, which is kind of familiar to you if you come from Java. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. Have you thought about learning to do native iOS development? Are you using Swift at work? Or maybe you've considered writing applications for macOS. We have a podcast that covers all of that called iFreaks. We have a new panel and a lot of exciting things to talk about. So come check us out at iFreaksShow.com. So, I mean, you stuck with Angular and with JavaScript as opposed to Java. And you stuck with Angular through the transition into Angular 2 and you know, now we're Angular, what, 9? Um, yeah. So what, what made you stick around? What, what was it that made you, A, give up on Java and then B, stay with this technology for so long? Yeah, so when I started to do it, I was then also, I liked it that much that I started to reduce my, um, yeah, to go back to 80% working and like use that one day to go to university and learn JavaScript. That was really like, I really wanted to do this. And why I stuck with it was kind of, I really liked this fast feedback cycle. So when you program something, you got this fast feedback. And then for me, it was like one language to rule them all. So when I was doing stuff with Java, I could not just go home and prototype things. It was more like, okay, I need a front end for it. And 
with JavaScript, I could do the front end and I could easily do a node backend, which mm -hmm. was pretty amazing for me. And yeah, and then also, I think another thing was the whole community. Somehow I like that it's so fast, that it goes forward so fast. And also the people in the community were welcoming and like also somehow if you go to conferences, I think they were just like, had so much passion about JavaScript and things. I don't know. I think the community was also, not saying that the Java community is bad, but it was more like, there was less going on, I would say. Makes sense. So, uh, yeah, what, what was it like making that transition from AngularJS to Angular? Because, I mean, you know, we kind of have the infamous, um, what was it, Angular EU talks where they uh, had like the tombstones, we're not going to have this anymore, and we're not going to have that anymore, and everybody kind of went, ah! <laughs> For me, it was less like that. For me, I was really seeing it as a new chance. I mean, the cool thing is also, this was, for me, this was the first framework that I followed from the beginning. Like, when I started working, everything was already there. I, this was the first which I really followed from the beginning. And so I was kind of embracing it. I felt like TypeScript looked super promising back then. RxJS was super cool. Like, uh, yeah, I felt from, yeah, from the first touches I got to Angular 2 back then, I thought, yeah, this is going to be a huge improvement over AngularJS. So I was less like, uh, no, I was more like embracing and looking forward to it. Right. So I, I guess another question that I have as we kind of get your story is that you said that you're a freelancer in Switzerland. Yeah. Um, now I've, I, for the what? So just to give some context. So I, I worked in regular jobs for about three or four years after I graduated from college or from the university. And then I wound up going freelance and I was freelance for what, like four or five years. And then I've, you know, been able to do the podcasting for the last three years full time. Mm -hmm. So, um, I know what freelancing looks like here in the U S what does it look like in Switzerland? I would say in Switzerland currently it's like one of the best things you can do if you ask me. Um, because the risk of like being unemployed is quite low, I would say, because the market, yeah, is quite dry. There are more jobs than people, than qualified people. And especially the cool thing is, so that's like if you, in terms of most people, when they want to go freelancing, the first question you ask is like the risk, basically. Oh yeah. I hear that all the time here too. I've had people complain. I can't find a job I love and I'm like, go freelance. And they're like, hmm? what if yeah. I can't find a client? That's scary. Yeah. I would say in Switzerland currently it's quite good to find clients, but like that's not the reason to go freelancing. Freelancing is quite cool because you have this experience like working for you and mm -hmm. also you get like more flexibility and more like free time and basically doing what you want to do. And I mean, for me, it was also always weird to have this kind of like, um, if you meet your boss, which never works with you and he tells you what your goals are and where you should go in which direction. And so it was kind of weird because I, when I'm now working on a client, I'm there because I'm motivated and I want to bring the project forward. It's not, I basically don't need somebody to tell me which goals I should reach. I'm self-motivated and right. I have my own goals. So like, 
if I don't have those goals, then probably I should not go to the client anymore. But yeah, I think it's a, it's a kind of mind shift, I would say. If you go freelancing, you should definitely have the correct mind, I would say. Yep. Nice. So yeah, I, how long have you been freelance? Now, like two, two years, almost a little bit more, yeah, more than two years, because I started to work in 2014. Uh-huh. Like, I mean, you cannot go from university and immediately freelance. So I started four years or five years as internal for the company. And then I decided to make the step. Nice. Very cool. So do you have some advice for people who are kind of thinking that that's the direction they want to go? Yeah, for me, like in everything that I've learned, kind of like, because I also started late in programming, I'm now like eight years into it, basically. And now I'm, I made a career, like a living out of it, basically becoming freelance and now recently becoming a GDE. And like, for me, the main message to people is you don't have to be a genius to program. Like, it's more about hard work, about dedication, about um, enjoying what you do. And then also, yeah, I think that's, that's basically the key if you want to go in this direction. And for me, the mindset is kind of important. If you have the correct mindset, then it's possible to do these things. Right. I agree. I think it's something that everybody should try. <laughs> and then, yeah, you know, not everybody's cut out for it. So don't feel bad if you f- figure out you don't like it. Or you figure yeah. out that it's, you know, harder for you than it looks like it is for other people. It yeah. doesn't mean anything's wrong with you. It's just, yeah, that's, yeah, anyway. Yeah, just if you try it, I think then you also need to be willing to put some time in and put some, yes. some work in. You cannot just like dream around and then think, okay, I'll go freelancing. But yeah, then you need also to put some work in. Yeah, I just recorded an episode of React Roundup, uh, which is our React podcast. And Um, we didn't have a guest and everybody else was sick. So I just did it on my own. And that's what I was talking about. I was like, look, you got to do the work, you know, wherever you want to end up at, you have to do the work. You have to do the work to learn the technology skills. You have to learn the work, do the work to learn the soft skills. Um, you know, you can shortcut some of it by finding mentors or going to conferences or, you know, watching video courses, but at the end of the day, you have to practice it or you're not going to get it. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So what are you working on now? Um, yeah, now, like in terms of open source or like client projects, um, so yeah, maybe in open source I'm working now. Yeah. I'm working on a, on a project in the client where we basically build like a new, uh, component library, like a framework, like basically like Angular material in this direction. So, so our own component library and there I'm now implementing like SVG icons, so basically an icon library, like font awesome kind of. Nice. And yeah, there are needed some tool and I that was a pretty cool experience because the tool was super technical and it basically takes SVG icons and then spits generates them, processes them, and spits them out in a tree shakeable way. Like yeah, it's a nice. And I thought why not open source this tool? So I'm kind of also working on this tool in open source. And the cool thing was because it was pure technical, I open sourced it and other people like could, could use it too. 
and then also started to contributing, which was again a benefit for my client also. That was a quite cool experience. Where do people find it? It's on GitHub. It's called SVG2TS and also on NPM. You can download it. Currently working on a new feature which makes icon, icons even more tree shakeable. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I also plan to do a write-up on this so because it's a little bit hard to, to put everything into readme. So I'll probably write a blog post about this. And then, yeah, people can check out and hopefully enjoy it. Nice. Very cool. Well, um, if I can get a link to that in the chat, we'll put it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so what's the rest of life look like? I mean, besides soccer and programming, what, what, what else do you do or spend time with or on or? Yeah. Yeah. In winter, I love to go snowboarding, like, cause in Switzerland, my girlfriend is from Zermatt. That's a quite famous place in Switzerland with huge skiing area. So I like to go there. Um, and then also I play, I still play football, like soccer. Sorry. Um, no, call it football. People need to learn. Yeah. Get so over it folks. Football. Football. I still play football. Yeah. In my free time. So that's basically it. What position do you play? Uh, like number 10 is my, my favorite position. Number 10. Is that defense? No, that's midfield. Like that's basically okay. that's basically the guy <laughs> who is almost like a, a, um, yeah, is behind the the attackers uh-huh. and doesn't have to care too much about defensive work. So that's <laughs> that's the position I like. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. If people want to connect with you online. Um, is there a good place for people to do that? Yeah, for sure. Like, um, so you can either follow me on my GitHub project where you can find some of my open source, um, open source projects or a good place is also to read, uh, via medium. That's where I post my blogs or of course, Twitter, Twitter is like, I would say the best place. Nice. We'll, we'll make sure we get links to all of that stuff too, folks, so we can, uh, you can, uh, ask Kevin all your deep and burning questions. All right. Well, let's go ahead and do some picks. Uh, yeah. Do you have anything you want to pick or shout out about, or do you want me to go first? Um, yeah, I have like some technical picks and then some not non-technical picks. So nice. yeah, one of the things I have is like, uh, I programmed a library, which is called ng because I was using material CDK. And I had troubles like ordering a grid in like multi-direction. It was great to order it vertically or horizontally. But once I went to mixed orientation, I had some issues. And therefore, I, put, I implemented like ng-sorgrid, which you can check it out if you want. Um, it's basically a grid that supports drag and drop in multiple directions. Um, then another cool thing I would recommend you to look at if you're using Angular Material, with version nine, they released um, component harnesses, which is basically something you can use to test. Because currently, if uh-huh. you want to test like a radio button or something, you often go with a fixture and then debug element and then use some DSS selectors to go to some internals of material and execute a click there. And now they abstracted it away into these harness tests. That's definitely something I would recommend you. And then last week, 
I played a little bit around with CSS. And one cool thing I learned is there's a clip path um, attribute which you can use, or a clip path property, a CSS property, and it basically allows you to clip images based on a path, which is quite cool. So those are my technical picks. I have two other picks, like for everybody who loves movies. Yesterday we watched um, a movie called Jojo Rabbit, which is quite, uh, I think it's a newer movie, which was It short. is, I haven't seen it, but I've seen, yeah. Yeah, it was about a 10 year old boy who's, yeah, it plays like in the second world war. It is like super fanatic. Um, but yeah, the, the reason I like this movie is because it was kind of weird, funny, heartwarming and also heartbreaking at the same time. And it was kind of a special film, like a unique film. Yeah, I haven't seen anything that is like similar to it. So therefore I kind of enjoyed it. And then, yeah, if you like board games, we just bought a new game, which is called The Settlers of Catan. And it's the version Rise of the Incas, which mm -hmm. is quite cool to play, I would say. Nice. Yeah, we like Settlers of Catan here. So my first pick is going to be the, the book that I'm listening to on Audible. And um, what it is, is it's uh, Chronicles of Narnia, which I, I think most people have heard of. But th these, uh, these books are narrated by famous authors. So uh, the first book's uh, narrated by Kenneth Branagh. Um, the last book is narrated by Patrick Stewart. And they are awesome. They are so well read. Really, really enjoying those. Um, and you can pick it up on Audible. So usually when I uh, link out to um, books, I link out to Amazon. But this one, it linked to Amazon, but it linked to Amazon where you can get the Audible version. So um, just be aware of that. And uh, yeah, those are my picks. Um, thank you for coming and talking to me, Kevin. This was fun. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right, folks. Uh, well, until next time, Max out. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.